0: and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature, Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of tvdads.com.
1: And I'm your other host, I'm Chris Henry of the EAA Aviation Museum. And joining us once again is Amy Young from the Space Station Museum out near San Francisco. Uh Amy again, thank you so much for coming out and joining us. Uh you are a, a uh, event coordinator, operations manager, everything under the sun uh person as I understand it.
2: <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I, I do a lot of different things. Juggle. <laughs> Especially right now anybody that
1: works in a museum I think wears like multiple hats. You have to. <laughs> so yeah.
2: a lot of it is because I just really care a lot about the museum and the collection there. And I just really want to take care of things. You know, I love it.
1: Absolutely. We're saving it for future generations. I mean, if if we do our jobs, right. You know, people a hundred years from now can come and see it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I think most museum people that I've met share that special obsession. They're very, I've never met a disinterested, uh, anybody in museum curation that isn't interested in what they do. Yeah, I
1: don't think you can kind of just, you know, half-hearted go at it, I think. What do you think, Amy? I, I don't think you can go to work like,
2: eh,
0: I'm going to kind of
1: preserve something today.
2: <laughs> right. No, no, you're right. I think so, because we all start off, and I think also a lot of us start off with our own collections at home. I mean, I know as a kid, I this is not my collection at the museum, but I... Jeez, I had so many things, and I still have so many things. So, <laughs> we're just moving our stuff around. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm not hoarding, I'm curating. That's what I tell my wife, I'm displaying.
2: Well, yeah, <laughs> and know. actually the museum now is giving me more of an excuse. I've actually started collecting more because of the museum, because I get exposed to, oh, now I get to go to these space conferences, and look, I got this cool thing, and uh, so...
1: I uh, I came home one day with a passing uh, comment to my wife that you know, boy, I, I kind of saw this cool train layout, and she was like, "No, <laughs> like we we have airplane stuff and space stuff everywhere in this house, and there just isn't room for trains." Wait, where where <laughs> so, did you see this train?
0: I got yeah. yeah, trains. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Trains.
2: Yeah, <laughs> my, my son loves trains too, and actually, I didn't realize how much I love trains until my I had a little you know, toddler son that started getting into them. And then as he got older and he was still into them, but then I, I seem to be more into them now, you know, <laughs> they're cool. Uh, they're very cool, but he won't let me get rid of any. Cause he, he swears that when he has his own house, he's going to do the whole uh, basement thing with the big set. Oh, that's things. awesome. My, I want my, to do that.
0: I've, I've been into HO since I was maybe eight or 10 and my son keeps telling me, you should get into N-Scale N- because it's a lot easier to carry around and more portable. And I said, you don't understand. I don't have the eyeballs to do <laughs> yeah. N-Scale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we were to- we were here to talk about a, a movie that we all oh, yeah, saw. right. Uh- <laughs> Oh yeah, space. <laughs> yeah, space that part. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of astronauts that love uh, that love model railroads. I, I was always surprised to find out that Rod Stewart has a. Of course, if you were a rock star and you could afford it, you'd put in a super uh, train layout. But Rod Stewart has like the largest train layout in Beverly really? Hills. Yeah, wow. yeah. He's very it, most proud of that more than anything else, wow. uh, except maybe <laughs> soccer. Yeah. So, um, but we are watching. Um, we're watching uh we do see I uh, get get to see a a scale model of a lunar module while uh, while, uh Ken Mattingly is trying to plug in um uh, the uh, command module into the lunar module and I know both of you are probably staring at those uh instrument panels and thinking that would look great on a wall in a museum yeah. somewhere. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: I want to go it's, and actually uh, have a shot at riding the simulators what I want to do. <laughs> so that just yeah. looks so awesome.
0: <laughs> oh, it's it's a beautiful thing. Um you know, I always thought that simulators were a recent invention but I was reading more about the life of uh, Edwin Link who invented the Link trainer which is kind of like the standard from from years back he actually built it in the in the late 20s mm-hmm. and kind of a funny story where he where he got the background to build a a flight simulator um in 1929 his dad uh had a player piano company um Link uh, Link player pianos and he took all the uh, the hole punches and things like that, the stuff that were basically uh, servos and, and processors. He made uh, sequential lights on. Uh, the first thing he had done was he built this uh, thing out of a player piano to run sequential lights on the bot on the underside of an airplane wing, so they could spell out words. And so he'd run a, a player piano roll through a. a through a little device in his cockpit and he could fly over place saying, you know, eat at Joe's. And, uh, from that, from what he learned there, he built a, a pneumatic system on the link, tra- uh, on a link trainer, which would be basically you have, I mean, if anybody's seen, yeah, I'm sure, do you have a link trainer at your museum? Um, Chris? We do. Do Absolutely. Yeah, we do. Yeah. It's basically, it's a box yeah. that looks like a, a fuselage with stubby little wings to get you an idea of which way the mm-hmm. front and the back and the left and the right of the plane are. And you sit in it, heads heads down, with a hood over it. And from the uh, from the device itself, and a, a, a controller's console, you learn how to do instrument flight without ever leaving the ground. It's, it trained most of the Army Air Corps pilots learned in Link trainers during World War II, and uh, and learned how to do you know night flying and uh, and to do instrument um, instrument landings and things like that. And it's been part of. Uh, flight training and space flight training for almost a century now so yeah. a stunning bit of work and it was all mechanical I mean the the idea that it was mostly uh, pneumatic you know compressors and things that would tilt the uh, tilt the box they were in um, and control you know controlled from dials and gauges mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 it doesn't seem like the technology would be there but it was Sounds and, like a uh, and th- ride. yeah yeah <laughs> kind of
1: <laughs> well, I mean, and then I mean, in all honesty, though, you have people who build simulators in their houses and and play flight sim now even even as a, a form of entertainment. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's whole online communities and things. I mean, it's, it's flight simulators are really really um, taken into a kind of a world of their own. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how much, if anybody ever does it. I do it occasionally, and uh, um, it's something else. I mean, you can you know buy yokes and stuff and actually build out a cockpit in your house.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, wow. it's very dangerous to look online and see these things because you're like, all I need is three more monitors, and I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once again, my wife is like, no, yeah, the change, makes, no, no. It. Yeah. it makes me think no. of
2: those little beds that they make. For for toddlers that are shaped oh, like race cars or whatever, yeah. you know, I can see I can see making one. Yes, <laughs> yes. Just, uh. No, I'm never. I'm not leaving. I have a mattress in <laughs> here now. <laughs> yes. yes,
0: who needs a pillow fort when you can have a pillow? Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> exactly, uh, fighter plane. Yeah. The uh, but, but you know it, it's I mean we we have uh, Evans and Sutherland to thank for that back in the uh, back in the 60s uh, uh, David Evans and uh, Ivan Sutherland were uh, compre- uh, they were professors at the, uh, in the computer science department at the University of Utah and they came with, up with this idea that you could make computer graphics on a video screen. and then they figured out the application for it would be you could use a you know, different solenoids to uh, read, read in uh, inputs from a user and change the background. So mm-hmm. they, they rapidly developed into a, a, an electronic version of what was the link, uh, the link trainer. And it still continues to the day. I and mean, Evans and Sutherland merged with or they, they made a partnership with our Red Diffusion in the 1970s and came up with commercial size ones. So a lot of uh, commercial aircraft companies, military, uh, you know, air forces, they all started training using Evans and Sutherland equipment. And uh, it's kind of the standard now for for learning how to fly. And to this day, still Evans and Sutherland continues to build things like um, the uh, space shuttle simulator and even the space station simulator, where you can look out the window and practice, you know what what to do on the uh, international space station to uh, to do earth sciences mm-hmm. with, with uh, artificial you know virtual uh, virtual earth in front of you.
1: You know, I know that uh, they're not glamorous, but think about you know without those simulators, would we even be able to do the stuff we do? You know, I mean, you know what I mean. Without simulators and all the training that those guys did in them.
0: Well, yes. I mean, you know. think think what the think about the fatalities that they avoided. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. you, know, you did you did it wrong. I mean, I think uh, there's a there's a line in here about how many times. Uh, how many times people have died in the simulator and it's yeah sure that happens all the time thankfully they didn't have to risk risk their lives until they were very good at what they were doing so that by the time you get to Apollo 13 they knew how to handle different uh different different bad situations
1: well you know and it's yeah. funny one of the things that i learned uh that i that i did not know and they really don't talk about in the movie um was you know they had scenarios uh some of the scenarios were named i guess uh, the, the programs that they would try to run and get these guys, you know, into. And apparently they did, in simulation, do kind of the scenario that happened on Apollo 13. And uh, they called the scenario Lifeboat Lem. And uh, I, I just remember, I can't remember if it was Bill Reeves or, or Milt Wendler that was telling me that, you know, that Fred Hayes was so sharp that when they needed Fredo to go down there and power up the Lem, they didn't say anything else to him except they just they just said Fred lifeboat Lem, and he knew exactly what to do and just started at it. And I I really can't wait to ask yeah. Fred about that if he remembers that.
0: Yeah, it, it's uh, it's astonishing. And you, you know, you meet all these you meet all these folks, Amy. We were talking about this offline. Um, you you meet these folks, and the the brilliance of them really comes out. Yeah, that uh, that they they've all thought of these. You know, they've all experienced this stuff, and being able to stimulate it kind of uh, stimulated their, their thought processes on how do you get out of this one. I mean, it, it kind of builds up the, the fix-it muscle in your brain. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, it really is amazing the difference between, like, yeah, we were talking about, oh, you meet a celebrity, you know, such and such. But meeting these people, you have to know, okay, their IQ has to be at least this. They have to pass these tests. It's a, a, such and such and it's like superhuman you know uh, just it's mind-boggling how much that they were capable of doing
0: yeah and I just the the number of people they kind of winnowed out to get down to these people especially jim lovell he was number i mean there's, there's kind of an argument on this but he was kind of like number eight or number nine of the original seven mercury astronauts mm-hmm. and that was just because of a, a chemical imbalance in his blood that knocked him out of that um but he was you know the, the, these guys are all top notch folks um yeah. i think one of the one of the most common comments about the apollo 13 movie although they they needed it for the movie drama is that they kind of portrayed uh fredo as nervous or worried or emotional about things and and uh he really he, he he's such a top notch guy in understanding every system on board it's it's like you know like knowing the veins on the back of your hand the way he could he could find his way around stuff
2: right but at least personality wise i do see that you know bill paxton was a guy i mean i know there were some roles that he played where he wasn't a nice guy but um for the most part bill paxton real nice guy real sweetheart same with fred hayes you know? yeah oh yeah.
0: So, oh yeah no these are roles that they're so just playing you just
2: know. perfectly matched there yeah
0: yeah, yeah. It, I key, the the thing that always that that still goes through me. while well, this is a random thought on this. The thing that goes through me on this. It to me, this feels like it happened yesterday. And it's it, we're, you know, we're four and a half decades out as we're recording this. And it just, it's amazing that we still have uh, yeah, some some of these people still with us. It's 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 kind of yeah. it's kind of great that we can we can still talk to them while we have these living living people of history. Um, to ask them questions that that come up while we're, while we're still here
2: yeah i i just wish and hope that that we would be actually leaving for mars or returning to the moon whatever we're gonna do before we lose them all
0: yeah you know
1: it sure would i think it sure would make a lot of them feel good to see something like that happen i think uh i, I think they'd be pretty proud to see you know a, a, a large challenge like that actually taken underway right now. It'd yeah. be pretty cool. I know they'd be pretty excited. A couple of them would probably volunteer still. So Well, <laughs> I, so
2: I was going to say, you know, every time I hear one of those guys talk, they're always talking about getting off the planet and having to. And Al Warden gives a, a talk about having to get off the planet. And he says very famously, he, he he says, I'll go, he, you know, two reasons. He says, I'm old, so I don't care if I don't come back. Um, he says, and, you know, and the second reason, also because I'm old, I can sit in one spot for a long time like I'm watching TV, you know. <laughs> it's just, so I just make it real like a recliner and just put a TV monitor in front of me. And, and so that's what he jokes. Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: Awesome. when he was in our museum we had an apollo 15 moon rock and uh we staged a thing where he pretended to steal the moon rock back and uh we everybody we we so wanted to do it we were we were afraid to ask him and and then we finally did and he's like that sounds amazing i'm in <laughs> you know, we're like all right this is good time times he's a lot of fun we're
2: this
0: this minute we're we're is the first time we actually see uh jack swigert as you know kevin bacon appeared uh, well we saw him we saw him earlier in the uh in the movie explaining to uh uh the blonde girl about how to how to do a rendezvous but this is the first time we're seeing him in action as a uh, uh you know as a member of an apollo uh, yeah. crew or in this case the apollo backup crew yeah. and uh the other two uh members of the backup crew were of course uh john young and uh, charlie duke who uh think the the only the only guy that gets a word in edgewise on this one is uh is john young and he just gets a clap in this particular minute mm. i was kind of surprised that that young was that he that he took such a late position on the apollo missions i would have thought that he would have gone earlier like that he would have been in uh
2: yeah uh, I, I think about that a lot when i think of john young's career also because because of who he was and because of what he accomplished it seems like he was around for a long time. But what astronaut class was he in? I mean, when you talk about Lovell being like number nine, wasn't John Young after that? He yeah, was
0: he, he was in group two. He was with he was uh, in group two. He, okay. he, Yeah, he was in group two. So, I mean, between him and Conrad and Lovell, yeah. there were, you know, that was such a, a, a race of equals at the top
2: i don't you I mean, know was... i don't know who knows i've never understood yeah. that either but 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 it all tends to work out, doesn't it i love the, yeah oh uh, yeah, i mean he would he him would and wait Gus a little bit. and and just the missions that he did s t s one you talk about brave yeah s t s one was not that, that that's something that wasn't tested really you know? yeah
0: uh, where is where is that movie i you know it's um that movie uh that movie deserves to be made.
2: I mean, You're right. You know, You're right. Um Oh, you think
0: about I, how I many would...
1: people in you know, younger generation not just younger generations, all the generations that remember the shuttle program. I mean, that would be Man, I think there'd be a lot of interest in a movie about something like that.
0: I was just recently reading um is it Roland Roland White the uh fellow that wrote Into the Black, the first uh the book about uh, about the history of the flight of the of STS-1. Mm and uh he had I don't know. he had pointed out that uh bob crippen was uh he was the, he was the pilot with uh with john john as commander crippen was going to be the first person to open the the doors of the, the cargo doors of the space shuttle and when he went to the back where the uh where the controls are he said that this was ex- he, he he turned to john and said this is, it's amazing, this is exactly like it was in the simulator back in Houston. The only difference is, is my feet aren't on the ground.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, and I got to go in January to, um, to Johnson, and one of our, our volunteers, uh, who was fresh out of college at Syracuse with an aerospace engineering degree, was, he was from San Francisco, and he found us. He volunteered, and he was biding some time while we found a job, and he did wind up getting a job at Mission Control. He works in the ISS Mission Control now. Um, but he gave me a tour, and I was sitting in that simulator, that, you know, the space shuttle trainer, and I can't... Yep. I'm sitting there, and it's just saying, okay, who sat here? I was sitting in the commander's seat who sat here and i'm like oh my god and i'm going on my hands all these people john young sat here <laughs> and i was like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah it's it's it, it, it's thrilling
0: yeah it it really is i mean it's just such a they they were they were and you know for for those that are that are still with us they remain some of the some of the greatest people to walk on earth at the moment it's just what they what they faced and didn't I mean, if they, I'm sure they all had an, an honest fear of things, but that they they climbed into the capsules and went off to where they were where they were you know assigned to. It's just an amazing bit of bravery to to be able to do that and be confident in in the equipment and with the people that were uh, supporting you behind on Earth.
2: Well, what something that you just made me think of that's interesting, um, and I've heard this come up in conversations or talks before, is that the early astronauts. Um, were, we're all military. So they kind of had that training in them to you just do what you're told, you go. You know, it, it, was, it was just that, you just go. Um, so if that's the case, then what is it about the people who came later as mission specialists? Maybe it's not the fact that these people were military, but that there is a type, a personality type or type of person. You know that just will run into the burning building and right yeah
0: yeah you have to be able to i mean you can have that fear but if you can lock it down and still do stuff being able to to work in a in a stress-filled situation and despite the stress be able to carry on your job and say this is this is what i have to do and it's you know i have to get from point a to point b christian you've you've worked air traffic control and you have Every one of those dots on the console re- represents lives, hundreds of lives, and you've had to make sure they get from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen.
1: Yeah, it, um, you know I remember somebody asking me about that, and you know you don't hang on it. you know you, you know what you're doing, but you don't you don't wear that on your sleeve when you go up there. Um, and I'm not if anybody that knows me knows'm I'm, I'm not an arrogant or, or cocky person, I don't think. But when I was walking up the steps of that control tower, I knew I was the best in the business and I think you had to put that on almost like a costume you had to know that you you were the best that you were the best there was and there wasn't going to be a problem with you up there you know yeah. and uh, it's just something you had to believe and um, I don't know that that, that was uh, it, and it really was weird And the simulator was almost more stress once you did once you started doing it for real you actually started to I don't want to say you forgot you just didn't wear it on your sleeve that that People's lives are in your hands every day. You you know, at parties, people would always tell you, aren't you stressed out? And you're like, well, not unless you ask me about it, then I start getting stressed out. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, don't ask me that before a shift, right?
1: But in a a, a control tower, does not come anywhere close to what these guys did. I mean, um, and just their coolness under pressure where when something, when there's an emergency, rather than immediately going to the emergency systems, you know, look at was it Gemini Six, where, you know, what, what was one of the valves cut off? I think uh, was it fuel flow or something, and 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 it and it rather than, you know, aborting the mission, they hung out and said, well, "Wait a second, let's see if we can fix this and save the save this this rocket." Yet, and they did. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's incredible. You don't, you don't just pull the ejection and punch out of this thing because you think it's going up. You actually hang out and wait, mm-hmm. um, and it's that. It's that pause, that wait, and let's – hold on. Let's see what we can do to fix this that, in my opinion, makes those guys just so cool. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. So cool under pressure that they have that, that – we're not just yeah. going to eject and scrub this thing. We're going to hang out and see what we can do to fix
0: it. Yeah. That... Yeah, I, I, always, I always feel bad that they, they kind of skipped that one. For the, for when When they were doing From the Earth to the Moon, it's like that was one of the most – hair-raising moments in Project Gemini and it's just kind of like, and after four we had eight, and then <laughs> wait, there was a big one in the middle. Yeah, there's a pretty big one. I was oh. just
2: going to say um, that I think we might have talked about this before, uh, in that other movie minute, um, but yeah. um, because my in my previous life I, I worked on uh, special effects, um, one of the things that's been an easy transition for me and, and, and doing the space stuff is that because of that what you're talking about you just go in there and you go wait a minute let's figure this out and fix it it's the same thing with when i was working on films at ilm you don't you can't walk away you have to figure it out you know yeah, yeah very true. and your
0: and your work is going to be up on a screen in front of millions of people yeah. and in you know in the in boxes at uh well, I guess they don't have Blockbuster anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, be at, yeah. you'll be at the Walmart in the, yeah. You're dating so <laughs> Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, there's some jobs that you can always, I mean, you know, you have to, you're supposed to be able to balance the till at the end of the day, but you're like, okay, we can carry the penny over. But you can't, you can't yeah. do that in these other situations. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, I, 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 brought this up briefly yesterday and I've got, and this is not, got, got nothing to do with this movie, but I got to know. What part of the Enterprise did you blow up? We're, we're <laughs> Man, that,
1: that, that's a wound that runs deep didn't
0: for you, I, isn't it? Didn't I, know, send you, I know. didn't
2: I send you a picture? Um, no. Okay, well, there's a picture of me standing next to the saucer model that we have. Um, so so what, the way it was done was we had like, I and I don't remember how big it was, but it was pretty big. Um, you know, like you take like a pallet, right? And yeah. there was a big oval or circle, basically that was cut out in the middle, and then there was a um, Enterprise, um, e- you know, the saucer section, the top of the saucer yeah. section that was, that was put onto that. That was basically like plaster, or oh, okay. you know, so it was something. It was something. Yeah, breakable. Something that would crumble. Something that would crumble and break and fly apart and. And uh, powder and bits and pieces, and then the underside of it was rigged with. Um, uh, why am I forgetting <laughs> the cord, the, bla- the blast cord, the uh, the, cord, oh, okay. the, uh, primer, the cord. primer cord? Thank you. Um, so it was it was lined with that and matches and things like that, so it would could go off in a pattern. It would just it would hit in certain places. So it's kind of funny because I have a before and after picture, and there's me standing behind it. My goggles are on. And there's the saucer, and we have um, we had uh, fans going so that it would blow the debris, and that's beforehand. And then there's this picture of me and a couple of the other people on the crew just picking away at the sides because there's nothing left. <laughs> it's, all, it's all gone. So it was the oh. saucer section. Yeah. 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 Oh.
0: well, you did a good job. I yeah. I enjoyed watching. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's always fun in the dailies when you see something blow up. You know? Yeah. And you're like, yeah! Yay! <laughs> and then there was also the, um, we also did, um, in that film, it was, um, <laughs> I'm getting my movies confused. I almost said Sarah's from Galaxy Quest. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the Malcolm McDowell character. Oh, yeah. Um, who wants to catch the energy ribbon. Then there's the the that launcher that blows up on top of the mountain also right yeah yeah there's that and then there's the
0: crash and stuff. Uh, yeah it's a very kaboom boom kind of a movie
2: <laughs> okay so but we're not talking about that spaceship no, no no no. we're talking <laughs> about this space. one and this, this one came out
0: much better yeah no but yeah. um and this this was not uh, uh apollo 13 was not a uh, an ilm uh special effects movie no this was it was digital domain yeah which, uh, was yeah. uh, mostly you know it was it was electronic. I mean they they still did uh, uh, practical effects, but there were there was a lot of use of uh, of computer uh, computer imagery, especially in the launch sequence. But we're getting we're getting minutes of, ahead. Um, are you are, you know you're still you're still in in cahoots on the uh, on on projects with pe- people that are working at ILM and stuff. Well, and I yeah I don't
2: work there, the, but I yeah you, I'm with you you're in the yeah. grapevine at least. Yeah, yes. and
0: and a lot of the practical effects. Had kind of gone away, and then had been replaced by, uh, you know, electronic computer graphics. But it seems to be lately, um, a lot of movies pride themselves on the return of practical effects. Are there, are, are you noticing that in the in the yes. pyro community? Or?
2: I I am noticing it, but it's very slow. I mean, there is some, but it's still really few and far between. Um, but when it's being done, it's, it, it, it's be, it seems like more emphasis is on the craft of it, uh, almost as if, let's say, the director or whoever's deciding to do it as a practical effect is recognizing, yeah, we really need to do it this way because this is the best way to do it and that it will look best and, and um, you know, and and that's why. So, uh there there is a special effects company um that's uses the same facility that ILM used to use, which stays fairly busy and when they have a project, they go all out. So, I mean, they use the same sound stage. Wow. So, that all of films that ILM did, with the exception of the first one. Um, so
0: Wow. So um, all, it, your your craft is still secure in the 21st century. That's I
2: it. mean, it's really, really, there's not, there's still not a lot. I mean, you can't, I had somebody who wanted to, a younger person who was like, yeah, you know, it's just really fascinated with what I did and wanted to try and do that. And I was like, no, it, there's just really nothing going on. You mm. know, let's let's see if you can... Um, can introduce you to some of these guys and maybe they'll give you some tips and you can go look over here. But those guys are um, a lot of those guys that I worked with are now working for a company that makes um, medical uh, training mannequins for the military. Oh. They're quite sophisticated. So, wow. So, again, you're using your skills.
0: Yeah, for simulations.
2: And, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, they're 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 quite something. Um, they, I mean, their eyes roll back. You can intubate them. They've got blood spurting out. And they they move, and they they even have a um, they even have a military like police dog uh, mannequin now too that you can work on. Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay, I've got to Google all this stuff. This I'll I'll yeah.
2: tell I'll tell you how to look them up. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, neat. Wow. Well, Amy, thanks so much for being on. Hopefully we can have you on uh, later in our movie here. There's, uh, there's yeah. lots more uh, effects and things coming up, and we also want to find out how the uh, uh, how the Space Fest went. Uh, actually, could you, let's go over the, the details again about where people can go and, and uh, be with you and, and a lot of other people that are mildly to rabidly o- <laughs> obsessed with uh, space flight.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, uh, so our museum is in Novato, California, which is just 20 minutes north of Golden Gate Bridge. In San Francisco area, Um, our website is uh, thespacestationca.org. We have a Facebook page, the Space Station Museum, or at TSS Museum on Twitter. And um, the space festival that we're having August 5th is from 10 to 4. Although families with kids 12 and under get in early at 9 30 and we'll have a little private session with astronaut ray seddon yeah august 5th and 10, 10 to 4 it's free uh, come and meet astronauts and engineers and scientists and astronomers and stormtroopers and rtv2 and um <laughs> and poke your head through a giant space shuttle tire um and you know just come look at all the neat artifacts we have and and some of the stuff you can try on and you can punch buttons on some, some control panels and, and uh, just have a great time.
0: Wow. Well, <laughs> I wish, the astronauts I wish I could...
2: are walking around. They don't, it's not like, you know, they're going to be sitting behind tables the whole time and you just have to, you know, pay $5,000 for their autograph. Nope. <laughs> this is not an autograph show. We do no. have two of the astronauts selling books and they are signing them but the rest of them they're just walking around just hanging out yeah yeah they're just hanging out and you can in fact that's our slogan our museum is where astronauts hang out (laughs) (laughs) that's (laughs) awesome so so that's what they do
0: well, thank, thanks for hanging out with us uh, on, on this episode. Uh, for folks wanting to uh, check out previous episodes, you can check out yesterday's episode, for example, uh, where uh, Amy was an excellent guest. Uh, find us online at uh, Apollo 13 Minute.com, Apollo 13 Minute.com. You can catch up on previous episodes and read about future stuff. Also, uh, we're available under the social media at uh, Twitter on uh, Apollo 13 Minute. You can find us on Facebook at the Apollo 13 Minute Mission Control. Also, look for us on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts. If you do go to iTunes, please leave us a good review. People find uh, find out about our show a lot through reading the reviews. And the better the reviews, uh, the more likely we're going to pop up on somebody's uh, iPhone uh, when they're looking for something about Apollo 13. Anyway, join us here tomorrow. We'll have another exciting guest. Uh, looks like we're going to have uh, lost the signal in about 30 seconds. So we will catch you on the other side uh, tomorrow on the Apollo 13 Minute.